Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. Nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hey guys, how you doing? My name's Bob and I am the host of this delicious podcast, The Cooking Show. This week, we're going to make homemade hot dogs and it's a product that's super simple um, and ubiquitous, but it really stretches the capabilities of most people's kitchens, like as far as equipment um, and process and technique is concerned. So this episode really leans on the format of the podcast, you're going to want to look at the show notes to see, uh, obviously, the ingredients and the, the process, the technique and stuff like that. But I'll have links to specialized equipment if you decide to tackle this particular recipe or this undertaking. All right. So let's get to that. Hot dogs. Basically, what makes this unique in, in the sausage world is that hot dogs are an emulsified sausage. We're going to be creating an emulsion with... Uh, water and fat with protein and that requirement is what makes these particularly difficult using just run-of-the-mill normal appliances and stuff that you would have in your kitchen hey listen for this episode if you hear some tweeting in the background i am recording this in my office as opposed to our podcast studio for unimportant and uninteresting reasons but i have an incubator in here full of chicken eggs and they are just starting to hatch. And uh, a bird, actually a chick just fell out of an egg right now. So he's gonna start screaming in a little bit. So you might hear that in the background. But listen, let's get to this. Uh, remember in the show notes, we're gonna have a link to an imager album, which is actually more than just window dressing and pretty pictures. This time you'll probably wanna look at those because you'll want to see things that have to do with like texture and color and stuff like that for each of these steps because there's going to be a lot of transformation in these ingredients that happens that you can, you know, pictures worth a thousand words. And, you know, I say enough words as it is. All right. Also, we'll have links to some special ingredients that you'll need or that are recommended. And then a lot of links to specialized equipment. I'm going to say that if you're going to undertake making hot dogs at home, chances are you probably already have some of this equipment. Otherwise, hey, if you're looking to spend a thousand bucks or so, to make something that you can buy for a dollar at the gas station, more power to you. I mean, that's what we're doing here, right? Also, of course, you're going to have the straightforward recipe in terms of ingredients, quantities, all that, and then a fairly dry run through of the process of making hot dogs. So let's start off with the recipe for this batch. We're going to be using four pounds of meat. And the way that's broken up is we're gonna use one pound of chicken and it's a mixture of white meat and dark meat. We're gonna use two pounds of beef cut into one inch cubes. And we're gonna use one pound of pork shoulder also cut into one inch cubes. So that's four pounds of meat. That's one pound chicken, two pounds beef, one pound pork, one, two, one. We're gonna talk a little bit about that after, after I run through all the ingredients and I wanna break up the ingredient read off, but we will uh, revisit the meat selection here, okay? So after your meat, you have one and a half tablespoons of kosher salt. You'll have one and a half teaspoons of curing salt number one. If you remember the uh, bacon recipe or the duck confit, curing salt number one is pink salt number one. 
It's a sodium nitrite solution, very important to prevent botulism and for color and flavor and texture and all that. All right, you're gonna have one and a half teaspoons of the curing salt number one. We're gonna have two cups of ice water, one and a half tablespoons of dry mustard powder, three teaspoons of smoked paprika, a half teaspoon of black pepper, one tablespoon granulated garlic, three tablespoons of light corn syrup, just like your K-Row syrup, right? Just light corn syrup. A half cup of uh, dry milk powder and three tablespoons of soy sauce. Then, of course, you're going to need some hog casings uh, to stuff this in, a casing for, for the sausages. Now, let's talk about um, some of these ingredients. Uh, number one, the meat that we're using. Realistically, you can make hot dogs all beef, right? I mean, there's, it's, it's a common labeling thing, that all beef hot dogs. If you're going to use all beef, uh, you want to use a very fatty beef, something like short rib. Boneless short ribs would be fantastic. You could maybe get away with chuck, like chuck roast. Cut that up because you want all the intramuscular fat in there. But most of the time, it's going to be difficult to get beef that is fatty enough. Plus, like, grocery costs are kind of crazy right now. So, uh, you know, I asked my wife just to pick up two pounds of the cheapest beef that she could find, whether that was stew meat or chuck roast or whatever. She ended up with two pounds of uh, top round, which was very lean. So if you if you are going to use beef that doesn't have enough fat in it, that's why we have to add the pork. And that's why we want the fattiest pork that we can get, whether it's pork shoulder, pork belly, or spare rib or something like that. That's going to add the fat that we need to get the emulsion. The reason that I've added a pound of chicken one, I have a bunch of chicken, so I process a chicken in the morning and then just broke it down and used the dark meat and the white meat together. Also, chicken is a very, has a high water content. Uh, chicken is very, a very watery meat, so that helps out with the texture and in, in, in the emulsion of adding, you know, extra water content to the mix. Um, you don't have to use chicken at all. You can use all beef. You can use a mix of beef and pork, but the main thing is that you have to have enough fat in the the meat mixture to get a good emulsion now why are we using four pounds why not five it seems like five would be uh, a more standard measurement of meat content and it is totally is but we're going to be adding a lot of water and a lot of ingredients that's going to basically round this up to like a five pound batch the emulsion is going to pull in all that water and it's going to fluff up the meat whenever we uh, when we process it and you're going to end up with five pounds at the end using only four pounds of meat okay uh let's see what other ingredients here the curing salt number one um that's your sodium nitrite that is not an, a cosmetically pink salt it's not your himalayan pink sea salt or something like that it is sodium nitrite uh you, we'll have a link in the show notes of where you can purchase that if you listen to the bacon episode or the duck confit episode, you know that sodium nitrite is a chemical prophylactic against botulism. And because we're going to be smoking these hot dogs over a period of time, they're going to be in that danger zone where they're not up to temperature yet. And they're kind of like slowly going from refrigerated temperature up to the fully cooked temperature. And because of that, we want to guard against food poisoning. Uh, also, sodium nitrite causes beef and pork to really bloom into a nice rosy red color and you'll see in the in the imager album of the step-by-step -step how these sausages transform from like a really kind of beige light gray color to 
uh, a finished rosy red mahogany kind of hot dog color at the end. All right. So uh, you're curing salt number one. Uh, real important there. Let's see what else here. Uh, the light corn syrup, you can make a simple syrup with just sugar and water um, if you wanted to, if you didn't want to use corn syrup. This is not high fructose corn syrup. This is like the K-Row syrup that some people use on pancakes and stuff like that. Like I said, you can use a simple syrup. You could use maple syrup if you wanted to. That'd be actually pretty delightful with that little, little uh, maple flavor on the back end. You could also use um, molasses if you wanted to, but I feel like that might be a little bit too forward and, and, and profound or pronounced, you know? But you need a little bit of sweetness, a little syrupy uh, undertone there. So I use light corn syrup, you can use simple syrup, whatever. The milk powder. Technically not, it's not required, but because we are using home appliances for this, um, you know, a, a KitchenAid stand mixer with a grinder attachment and a food processor, as opposed to a giant meat grinder mixer or an immersion blender or something like that. The milk powder acts as an emulsifier and as a binding agent to make the, the, the consistency of the farce, which is like the stuffing of the sausage, more consistent. It seems redundant. The consistency is more consistent. I don't know what other words to use for it, but... Basically, the milk powder will make your results more consistent, okay? So I would definitely recommend using it because it makes up for a lack of horsepower on other appliances. And then I don't remember if I said three tablespoons of soy sauce or not. I might have I might have stopped after I hit the milk powder. I'm not sure. But there are three tablespoons of soy sauce in there also, okay? With that, you're going to need about eight to ten feet of hog casing, um, you can use a, a collagen casing if you want, but I, I definitely prefer a natural casing. And, you know, whenever you, if you're going to start, like whenever you start grinding and mixing and all that kind of stuff, get those hog casings out into a bowl of cool water to soak and dilute the salt that they're packed in and all that kind of stuff. You want those ready for when, you want them to be ready when you're ready to use them. You don't want to have to get to a point where you're ready to stuff your sausages and be like, oh man, now I have to wait a half hour while these these soak in water. So get those into a bowl of water and we'll get started. First, we're going to grind all of our meats through on the coarse grinding plate. This basically uh, will just help get everything mixed together later on. You know, you grind it on coarse and then later we'll grind it on fine and then we'll do things like that. So uh, grind all your meats through on the coarse plate um, and this will comminuate everything. You know, your your chicken, your pork, your beef, it's all going to be mixed together as ground meat. With that ground meat, then you're going to add all of your ingredients to it, except for the ice water, right? So you're going to add all the flavor ingredients, keep the ice water, water back. Mix all those ingredients by hand and get them really well incorporated, but be careful mixing them up. You don't want to uh, raise the temperature of the meat. You want to keep everything really cold. That's going to be important whenever we get to the emulsion. But, you know, mix it quickly, but mix it thoroughly. Then change out the grinding plate on your grinder, on whatever apparatus you're using to grind the meat, to the fine, the fine grinder, the one with the little holes. And then pass all that meat through the grinder again and grind it a second time. At this point, it's going to be fairly smooth and fine, but we're going to take that, that texture to the next level using the food processor. We're going to make a lot of dishes. We're going to get everything dirty making these, all right? 
So you get your food processor, chances are you don't have a food processor that can hold five pounds of worth of ingredients. You have four pounds of meat plus all this other stuff. So you're gonna work in batches. Um, I have a, I don't even remember what the size of our food processor is. It's probably like 14 cups or something. It's like one of the biggest Cuisinart food processors. If you have, a, even if you have like a robot coop or something like, or a wearing pro, it's probably not gonna have a bowl that's much larger than the largest like consumer food processor. So I worked in basically in, in three stages, like three batches. I broke it up into thirds and, and, and processed uh, the meat that way. Put your meat in the food processor and uh, chances are the lid has like a hole where you can feed other ingredients into it. As you start blending this together or whipping the meat with the, with the blade, you pour in a, an equal amount of water. So if you have your two cups of water, if you're breaking your meat into three portions, put a third of the water into the first batch and let it let it blend and, and, and mix and whip together for one and a half to two minutes, okay? You don't want to go much longer than that because you don't want the components of the food processor to warm up. Like that blade's going to be tearing through that meat and that friction is going to cause it to, to get a little bit warm. So you want to keep everything cold. So under two minutes of, of mixing will work for you. And if again, you're going to want to look at the imager uh, album to see what the meat looks like post food processor step. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Uh, it's going to go from basically a finely ground meat to um, something that looks like a, a, a tan marshmallow fluff. Okay. So like I said, I did this in three batches, um, used all the water, got everything whipped together, got a real nice smooth paste essentially. And uh, then I put that in actually into the freezer for a few minutes just to get everything chilled down really nice while I set up for the next part. Now, if you're using the stand mixer with the grinder attachment and the sausage stuffer tube, great, fantastic. That's what I used. That is the absolute worst sausage stuffer I've ever used. And it is the worst uh, KitchenAid stand mixer attachment. You know, I've used everything from the grinder to the pasta maker to, you know, the, the, the ice cream maker, all that kind of stuff. The sausage stuffer is uh, practically useless. Um, but, you know, eventually we got all the farce into the casing. If you if you have a standalone the standalone sausage stuffer, good for you. Definitely use that. It'd be much, much better. But anyway, you thread your hog casings onto the horn, you know, the tube of the of the stuffer. And again, pass your meat paste. It sounds so appetizing, does it? The meat paste. Pass the meat paste through there and stuff your sausage casings. Now, when you're doing this, if you have help, you know, if your spouse is going to give you a hand with it, fantastic. I did this by myself. That's why there aren't any pictures of the stuffing process because both of my hands and my chin were basically uh, used to get all this in there. But anyway, if somebody's helping you out with that, try to get, you know, as evenly as possible. You don't have to get uh, the farce stuffed tightly into the casing straight out of the stuffer because when we twist them off, when we twist the sausages off into links, uh, that will tighten up a lot of, uh, it'll get the air out. It'll, it'll tighten up the, the, the farce. You'll be fine. Just basically try to get all that into the casings and then we'll worry about the consistency and the, how evenly it's stuffed afterwards. Once you have it all in there, what you want to do is you need to prick the 
sausage casing, the, the, the hog casings, so that any air bubbles that are in there, air pockets can escape whenever you tighten these up through twisting. If you have a sausage pricker, that's fantastic. Um, if you don't, if you have those, um, those corn on the cob pokey things, you know what I mean? A lot of times they're, they're shaped like corn on the cob and they have two fork tines or two, two spikes on them and you put them e either end. Uh, you can use that and just run through and pop, 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 pop. So that you get a bunch of perforations in, in your, in your casing. And then you are going to twist these off into hot dog sized links. Now, what you want to do is you want to start the twisting, um, with something that's much longer than a hot dog. Like if you're, if you're going for a six inch dog, um, maybe start with an eight inch section of sausage, because as you, as you twist those up and, 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 and roll it over and over and over again, they are going to get shorter as, as, as they tighten and, uh, and, and, and constrict the farce. And then of course, every other one, you need to go in the opposite direction. So if you start off twisting away from you, then the next one has to go towards you. And then the next one will go away from you. Just that's, that's how twisting works. Uh, I've linked to, um, a YouTube video of Scott Ree is a British butcher doing a, the, the special sausage linking technique. Um, that is not the twisting that I'm talking about, but you can watch that. You can see kind of like what we're going for. So you get all those twisted off and now you maybe take that, put them on a tray, put them on a pan, whatever, put them in the refrigerator and then get a giant stock pot. The biggest pot that you have, fill it a half to three quarters, depending on how big the pot is with water, get that on the stove. And you want to bring this up to 180 degrees, basically like whenever it starts to simmer on the bottom, but the, the, the water itself doesn't come to a boil. If you have a probe thermometer, stick it in the water. 180 is a good one. Listen, if you're at 175, if you're at 185, it's not a big deal. You have a little bit of wiggle room on either end. But the main thing is you don't want it to be boiling because we are going to poach these hot dogs in this hot water, hot but not boiling water. And we want to bring them up to temperature slowly. If you do it super fast, the the protein and the meat and the, uh, the milk powder and all the ingredients, everything is going to swell a little bit. And if it does it too quickly, you'll burst a lot of the links. So you want to bring this up slowly to, uh, I mean, technically you want to bring it up to like 160 degrees, but really we just want them to set, you know, that farce, that, that mixture, that meat paste is very loose and it's, it's sort of like a, what do you call it? Not a non-Newtonian solid, but, um, you know, like corn starts in water where it's liquid, but if you hit it too hard, then it acts like a solid, but it's, it's very, it's like a gel and, um, adding, adding heat via this poaching liquid is going to cause the, cause it to, um, set kind of like if you're making scrambled eggs and you know, the eggs start off as liquid. And then as they heat up, they solidify into the egg curd essentially. And, uh, that's what you're doing with these sausages. You're getting them to set to a solid, uh, form, um, so that they keep their shape. This should take 20 to 30 minutes. You know, if you keep, if you have that water at 180 degrees and you put them in there and you leave them in there for 30 minutes, they're going to be fine. They're going to set perfectly. They're just going to look very pale and drab and not at all like hot dogs at this point, but that's okay. We have another step. All right. So after 20 or 30 minutes, your farce has set and your emulsified sausage has has uh, achieved its its physical form. Now we're going to work on flavor and aesthetics. 
get a large bowl, hopefully something roughly the same volume as that stock pot that you're poaching the sausages in and put cold tap water in it. Some people will say, hey, you got to ice bath these sausages. But if you're doing a five pound batch, it's not enough that to um, counteract the, the chilling effect of just cold water. Like if you're doing 30 pounds, yeah, definitely ice bath. But if you're doing five pounds, cold tap water will be fine. Basically, you're going to move your sausage links directly from your poaching water into your chilling water and let them sit in that cold water for 10 minutes. What this is going to do is reduce the temperature of the farce and the casing at an equal rate. You know, the, the water is going to wick away the heat from the sausage fairly rapidly so that you don't get this like uh, sad wrinkly casing. You know, if you let them just cool at uh, room temperature or even in the refrigerator, it'll take them longer to lose heat. And as they do that, the, the they're gonna shrink and the casings are gonna get real wrinkly and it, it, they'll taste fine, but it just doesn't look the way you expect a hot dog to look. So get them in that cold water, 10 minutes, and then they're good. Using a pair of scissors. Now this, at this point, I, I clip them into individual links because uh, whenever I smoke them, I do them on like a rack in the smoker. If you want to hang them from like S hooks in the smoker or something like that, you can leave them connected. It's no, no big deal. But at this point, I snip them individually so that you have the hot dogs. Now, you can go straight into the smoker at this point. Better though is to put them on a, a cookie sheet and put them in the fridge overnight. Um, one, this will completely chill them all the way through so that whenever you smoke them, you kind of have, you know how long they're going to need in the smoker. They're, they're going from, uh, they're all going to be the same temperature to the same ending temperature. Basically, it's just like a consistency thing, but also that time overnight in the refrigerator, which is like a low humidity environment is going to make the outside of these sausages really sticky. What that's called is, is developing a pellicle. Okay. And that pellicle is that sticky surface is going to get a lot more of the smoke to adhere to the casing and, and penetrate better. So you're going to get better flavor and color from the smoking process. If you refrigerate these overnight and develop that pellicle. Okay. Now smoking, uh, we want to do ideally, if you could, if you have a smoker that you can just set the temperature, set it to 250 degrees, put them in there and uh, smoke them for two, two and a half hours, basically until the internal temperature is 165, which is quote unquote fully cooked. And remember there's, there's chicken, there's beef, there's pork in here. So 165 is a food safe temperature. That is the temperature we want to get these to, but we want to get them there very slowly. We want to bring the temperature up uh, gradually over a period of time while they're bathing in this fragrant, delicious smoke. And, um, so 250 is a good temperature for that. You're, you're, it's more like you're baking them than grilling them. You know, this isn't, this isn't like the finish cooking. This is the adding flavor, getting them to the safe temperature, as well as activating the sodium nitrite and, uh, blooming the color, um, of the hot dog. You're going to notice here, they're going to go into the smoker at, as like a, a, a pale beige or a gray color. And as the smoke starts to work on the sausage, they're going to turn like a nice mahogany, you know, a red brown, really, really inviting uh, color there. I flipped mine a couple times just to make sure that they were getting evenly uh, smoked as well as uh, getting temperature applied to both sides and working their way through. 
So after two, two and a half hours, once you hit 165, then you can take them off the smoker. You can let them cool down gradually. You can package them. You can take a few and throw them on the grill. Whatever you want to do at this point, they are hot dogs and you would cook them as you would a hot dog. Okay. And that is basically, that is basically the process. So the main thing here is, you know, when we're talking about equipment, uh, a grinder, uh, a stuffer, something that can allow you to uh, emulsify the sausage. I'm using a food processor. An immersion blender would work fine. Now, a, a blender blender, you know, like a Blendtec or a Vitamix or something like that, probably isn't the best option because it's not liquid enough for the blender to cycle everything through. It, it's too vertical. Like you'll just be blending the bottom part of the farce and the stuff at the top isn't going to get mixed up at all. Um, the immersion blender works because you can put it in, you can put it in a bucket, you can put it in a mixing bowl. And because you control the, the immersion blender, you can pop it around and make sure that you're mixing everything up well. But, you know, chances are you're going to use a food processor for this. So uh, all these things are expensive. You know, <laughs> a grinder, a couple hundred bucks, a stuffer, a couple hundred bucks, food processor, a couple hundred bucks. Chances are you might have some of these. A lot of people have a food processor. If you're into making sausages, you probably might have a grinder and a stuffer. Um, you know, if you have a KitchenAid mixer and you want to buy the stuffer attachment, that I, I mean, the grinder attachment, it works fine. It's just, it's very small and you need to, you know, work slowly and deliberately. Again, the stuffer, it's hot garbage. Um, if you can get a, a standalone sausage stuffer, you can get the smallest one, like a five pound sausage stuffer. It'll work fine. It'll work great. You can use it for a bunch of other things. I'm sure I'll be making on this podcast, making salamis and breakfast sausages, stuff like that in the future. But as far as equipment, that's, that's a big investment here. Um, hopefully you have some of it on hand, uh, special ingredients that I've listed in the show notes. Uh, I, I, I listed the, the light corn syrup, just so that you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. If you, if you never bought Cairo before, I mean, I'm sure you've seen it in the grocery store, I'm not saying buy it on Amazon through my link. I'm just saying, Hey, this is what I'm talking about. The Coleman's dry mustard powder. Uh, again, another thing it's at the grocery store. I'm just showing you what it looks like. And then the curing salt, number one, super important because you don't want to, you don't want botulism. You know what I mean? So if, if you made the bacon from episode one, or if you made the duck confit from whatever episode that was, chances are you still have a million pounds of curing salt left because you use su such a small amount of it. Um, if not, I have a link to where you can buy that also. Uh, and then definitely check out the imager album just so that you see like what this is going to look like before it goes into the food processor, what it's going to look like when it comes out and then how the sausages, how the hot dogs change pre and post smoke, because that is where the big transformation happens. Okay. Outside of that, uh, it's pretty simple, man. It's hot dogs. Uh, even if you don't make them, you know, listening to the process, understanding what goes into it makes you appreciate, you know, a dollar hot dog from the gas station or a $8 hot dog from the, from the baseball stadium or whatever they charge for them. Um, you know, it's a cheap food. Uh, a lot of people joke about, you know, what, what kind of mystery meats in the hot dog? Well, Hey, if you make them yourself, you know exactly what's in it. In this case, chicken, beef, pork. Uh, but that said, you can put anything in there. All right. All right, hot dogs. Thanks for listening.